You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover Magic, the Gathering Finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. All right, guys. Part two of two on the eBay acquisition of TCG players. So obviously, part one, Reptar paralleled the exact situation happening with his employer, what that meant for the people in the organization, what went into it from the industry side, etc. Mm -hmm. This time, it's basically okay. Now that we see how the internal workings are from an anecdotal perspective, yep. what do we think this merger means for the TCG industry? Yep. Yep. Uh, we've got five big bullet points. We'll go through. Let's get started. Yep. So under the covers, this is something uh, you pointed out because I honestly forgot. Uh, CGC, the grading company that Channel Fireball partnered with for their marketplace, is partnered with TCG Player by the transitive property and now gets swept up into eBay. So that adds a second grading house to eBay. Well, CGC was who they worked with before for the uh, authentication at ebay as well so two of the three organizations worked with cgc already yep. uh now tcg player has a cgc partnership um got it okay yeah okay so uh, the, oh go ahead sorry so with tcg's warehouse and their push a while ago um i forgot how how long it was when they first started when they did like the steve aoki stuff and they snuck dan bach by us to try and bring high-end back to TCG Player, this yeah. is another avenue for that. Now that TCG Player gets connected to a grading house, they get to bring back that mantra of, like, you can trust us. We got photos. We got people that, that know what they're doing, right? Uh, and I think this is really important because it's kind of, you know, the thing that eBay's had, a, had for the last couple of months up on TCG Player is a little bit of seller protection by having this authentication system. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you've sold on... TCG player at any great volume, you have undoubtedly had something returned to you that here is a fake, which is clearly not the card you sent to them. Yes, yeah. But now it's coming back to you, and of course, you should have luck. Mm -hmm. You just got to do it. Um, and that's that's something that I think is really good because that provides them a way to alleviate that for the seller. So all of a sudden, people who had migrated over to eBay because eBay had this authenticity guarantee can come back to TCG Player. Uh, the other thing, and this is kind of, this is much more speculative. So there's this constant, like, in the sports card world, this back and forth of, like, who's the best grader, what's the best platform to buy, sell, and trade, okay, slabs yeah. on, yeah. etc. cetera. Uh, this may mean that TCG just becomes a CGC website. Like, hey, you want a CGC's lab? Guess where you can buy it? Yep. TCG. Yeah. Okay. That, so. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Slabs, that, and we talked a number of times about how different slabs carry different premiums uh, based on the, the company or the content of whatever's inside the slab. Yeah. And CGC has kind of been proving their worth, and especially having partnered, you said, like, already with eBay. The eBay, what is it called? keep forgetting their security service now where it's like you order something high-end off ebay and it comes in their own little cardboard tomb verified yeah. authentic so you get that same kind of you know white glove treatment now or you could with tcg player and i think that's really nice because yeah. as we talked about back then too like i still do my high-end shopping through humans yep 
and, and that is how the card is handed from human to human to human. It yeah. never goes into a bin at TCG player that I go, yep, give me that dual end. Yeah. Because I want the authentication, you know, throughout throughout the process. I trust I want, myself to do it, you know. Yeah. And I want to make sure that I'm going to get exactly what I'm supposed to get. Not to say the TCG player is untrustworthy. That was never yeah. really the case. But for something like these large purchases, it just eases the, the burden on me. I've had to go through a TCG player uh, support to to get refunds for cards that were misgraded or what have you, and I'm sure everybody else has had to do the same. Oh yeah. And it's not difficult, but it's just good. It's just nice to know that what TCG player lists as a condition for a card or at a card in general is going to show up as advertised. You got that on eBay, but you didn't always get that on tcg player that was yeah. a rep that trolling toad guide and the idea of like tcg player near mint when it comes to pokemon cards is definitely a thing God. yeah pokemon cards are terrible i don't understand I, I, yeah, how... uh, the po- pokemon collectors and investors are terrible i mean it's not like Yu-Gi-Oh from like the beginning er- like the dark ages looks that good like most of those cards yeah. look like people chewed on them in their spare time but for whatever reason, the memes around Yu-Gi-Oh aren't as uh, rife as they are with Pokemon. Yeah. Now, overall, when you when we look at this merger, this is this is not quite a zero-sum game, you know, and it's not just that it's going to be bad for TCG Player or good for eBay, but immediately on the surface, that's kind of where we are. Especially if you had the opportunity to go and listen to me just deliver twenty-five minutes of like. <laughs> Hot business summary Everyone to your suffered. face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was bad. That episode was bad for everyone. Um, yeah, but the, I walked through the process of that merger, and at the end of the day, it, everything ended up being good for both organizations. But every, it was bad for a while, for all the companies being merged into the largest one. Everything was great, and then came the uh, reduction in redundancies. Yeah. And so bad or good is kind of in this instance narrow scope. Yeah. Like we're 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 just going to talk about the the upfront. You know, did eBay buy this entity, TCG Player Channel Fireball for the tech stack and the customers that came with it? Or was this about TCG Player going up upstream to a bigger platform to to move to eBay? And at the end of the day, I think this is bad for TCG Player and good for eBay because eBay is known for their platform. They are known to serve a great product. It is trustworthy. It is secure. And it is going to create a better customer experience for the end user. And it's bad for TCG Player because, of, as I mentioned, those uh, reductions in redundancy will come. All the people that you knew, all the figureheads of TCG Player, will eventually leave. There will be no reason for eBay to keep them on because I believe eBay's buying this for the tech stack. They're buying it for Binder POS, which has all the LGSs, and they're buying it for the TCG Player name, which has all the individual uh, buyers and sellers. And that's it. If eBay could just literally pipe all of those people onto their platform, they would. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I think that's, I'm very much in line with that. I think this was about 
eBay acquiring the tech. Uh, and if I had to guess, what you'll probably see is the redundancies that are going to be pruned are going to be from eBay staff. Uh, again, if I had to guess, just because you're bringing in people from channel, binder, POS, whatever, that are intimately familiar yeah. with this software yeah. and know how it runs. And I think, you know, what this kind of also does is it really sets eBay up in a very unique space because they're basically already everything troll wanted to be with their software, Evo right? System. Where, yeah, yeah, you, you sell it, you sell it on our platform. We're trolling toad. Yep. eBay already does that. And now they're getting an integration that allows people to make websites for themselves that also link up to eBay, which is just huge yeah. to me as far as I'm concerned. That yeah. is an incredible option for them. Yeah. The, the two standout things here that I do want to mention, is, and I mentioned the first one in the previous episode, was I, I hope this is going to be good for the warehouse employees. I mm -hmm. believe part of this is also eBay's interested in that fulfillment by Amazon model that TCG Player has, which means all you need is the software and the people. And the people are those people in the warehouse. And I hope yeah. that they get to continue their push for unionization. I hope they see better working conditions. I see. I hope they see uh, higher rates of onboarding to help alleviate the same issues yeah. that Amazon sees in their warehouse. And at the end of the day, I hope this is good for them, more so than it is some of the other people that decided to deliver a ton of platitudes about this from TCG Player. Also, I think this might sink Crystal Commerce, something I mentioned in the other episode. Crystal Commerce used to pride themselves on the fact that they had API hook-ins to TCG Player, to eBay, yep. to Amazon, and I think that might have been it. Yeah, I think that Amazon, was eBay, your own POS. Yep. They have recently added POS. Walmart integration as well. Yeah. So now with the merger of Channel Fireball into TCG Player before Crystal could really get their, their hooks into Binder POS and then that rolling into eBay, that leaves Crystal Commerce with hooks into Amazon and Walmart as well as their own upfront website. Now Crystal Commerce has been known to be pretty shit and I think... No, really? Yeah, right. Uh, why did a third of the stock of cards on TCG Player disappear for these standard rares? Ah, card... Crystal Commerce went down. Yep. Yeah. Great. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Or just double listing cards because, you know, you own twice what you said, obviously. Perfect. Yeah. Flawless. I think this just kind of boots Crystal Commerce out the door. And now, as an LGS, you can roll into whatever integration eBay is going to utilize. Those that were on Channel Fireball Marketplace have already been receiving emails. I think we've seen a couple of them float by on Twitter that I've tried to make sure, you know, we like and bubble up so people see what's going on. And it's a mail from TCG Player. Hey, shit's going sideways. You got to come over here now. Yeah. So that pushes the LGS cool. under the TCG Marketplace. And now at that point, you're fully integrated. So I think that, again, hopefully great for the LGS and poopy for Crystal Commerce because that company should have fallen off the face of the earth a while ago. Now, we're good. Tracking. This is something yes. that, that you pointed out. Uh, my dealings on TCG Player have been all over the place financially as a seller, so I followed their, followed their guidelines, which was anything $20 or more has to be tracked. And that yep. was super easy. I just you know typed in my little numbers. On eBay, similarly, I can't remember how that worked when I was sending out track pass, uh, packages, but nevertheless, it didn't seem that difficult. So you ask, will TCG be able to track, quote-unquote, envelopes the way eBay does? 
And that's what I'm hoping because during the pandemic, eBay came out with their service that was basically, hey, uh, we will track envelopes. Uh, it's like a 70 cent stamp or something like that okay. that you send a PWE and it has a tracking number that tracks its delivery. Because one of the biggest problems, of course, is you follow TCG player guidelines. Sure. But if you send an $8 card and the guy says, hey, sorry, I didn't get it, you're out 8 bucks plus fees anyways because you already got screwed out of those. Yep. So this is just a it, seemingly minor added benefit that I think can pay huge dividends just because it allows you to, okay, I have a little bit more protection now as a seller. Okay. I am okay because... I'm going to send this $5 card and I'm not going to get a message in a couple weeks. It's like, hey, idiot, my card never showed up. I need a refund. Great. Love it. Please do more of that. Okay. Uh, I think that's been one of the biggest, like, sticking points for a lot of sellers is they feel like even though technically as a seller, you're the one that's paying TCG player because you pay the fees, uh, they cater more to the customer's on the end user side because they understand if people buy cards and have to just eat it when yep. the postal service loses it, they're not going to buy cards anymore. Got it. So hopefully that stops and makes it easier for sellers. Okay. So this is just one bullet point under the umbrella of security and policies, basically. Yes. And hoping yeah. that we get the best from both from TCG yeah, Player exactly. and eBay. Okay. Because I, I know people have been talking about like fee structures and like, oh, you can expect to eat it now. Um, because whoever's fee structure is worse for the the seller is the one they're going to use, et cetera. Like, you know, like, yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, of course. But it's... at the same time, you're getting that eBay juice. And I can guarantee you there are more people that visit eBay.com on a given day than people visit TCG Player. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, like, you get what you pay for, quite literally, in that one. Um, and then questions about the negotiation process. You know, you, you ask or theorize rather that negotiations had to be ongoing during the CFB acquisition. You know, how big a role did CFB play in this? And the math on it is like, my guesstimation is like 42 days because yeah. the initial merger of CFB and Channel Fireball was on July 11th, 2022. That's when it was announced. And the announcement of the TCG player acquisition by eBay was announced on August 22nd, 2022, which is, uh, like I said, about 42 days, I believe. So yeah, like business does move fast, but these kind of mergers <laughs> don't move that fast. Yeah. And this is, you know, I, you don't have an equity firm come in, evaluate your company and, you know, oh, well, we're going to, oh, they say it's worth this much and you just shoot a number. That's not how it works. There's yeah. a negotiation process to it. So I find it very difficult to believe that eBay saw TCG player by channel and they're like, oh, we want to get in on that. Mm -hmm. Let's get everything done in 42 days, finalized, signed, I's dotted, T's crossed, batch agreed to, you know, number, number, everything, sales done. We've got all in one. That's less time than it takes some people to move from house to house. Yeah, it like our house was like 40 days to close on. Okay, that's a house. Yeah, that's a fraction of the cost that we're looking at here. And I understand money greases palms, whatever. Uh, I think that one of the important things about this acquisition for eBay was if they started kicking the tires on TCG Player, 
TCG in the interest of transparency, because obviously they have to, hey, we're also acquiring this entity. Yeah. You will be purchasing this as well. So my guess is while, you know, obviously the eBay acquiring TCG player was, you know, ongoing prior to the finalization of the CFB, I don't think it necessarily sealed the deal, but it certainly made it a whole lot more appealing that all of a sudden you have this significant upgrade to your web structure, to your inventory structure. Uh, And I think one of the important things here that people might be forgetting is that TCG Player and CFB have SKUs. eBay's just a freeform list. Mm -hmm. Now eBay inherits these SKUs that they can now upload to their service. Yeah. So it makes it a little bit more codified across the board. So to me... I, you know, I definitely think the CFB acquisition helped eBay want to acquire TCG, but I don't think it was the driving force behind it. No, absolutely. I feel like that had been done and essentially the ink dry, then the announcement yeah. made, and then proceedings for the the next layer of merger. As we discussed in the previous episode, you know, my the conglomerate that eventually purchased my company came around once before and we told them to jog off then we purposefully merged with another org and years later like two years later after we brought our tech stacks together and did like all the redundancy reduction did that other org come back around years not months and i don't think there's any way that ebay didn't know that something might have been going on yeah, absolutely not. And the one thing I couldn't find when I was doing this was what was the number for the first acquisition? There's, I didn't find it. I could not find it anywhere. Yeah. So one of the one of the big question marks is well, if this entire entity was valued at two ninety five, <clears throat> what was CFB worth in that valuation? Yeah. You know, when you're if you're looking at this from a growth perspective or from just something basic that's just like revenue versus debts. Uh, what does CFB hold in this instance? Or if you're looking at it from um, a different avenue, you come at it from EBITDA, which we talked about in the previous episode, where does CFB sit? Are they the amateurized debt that you're, that is being yeah. paid down? It, it, like CFB, just a black hole. Are they a net negative? Like what exactly was that worth? And I think if we knew that, then it, it clears up a lot of the picture of around why only 295 mil. And then like you can decide, oh, that might have been too much or that might have been too little. For me, as we discussed at the previous episode, I think it seems it's like too, not a lot. Yeah, I think that's too little for the services provided by both those organizations, especially when you bring all of that on in-house and yeah. what your expected growth can be, growth in the industry based on that and where they see this heading. And it just does not feel like four months to get all of this done yeah. was enough time. It, it feels like an, this had to be just ongoing and ongoing. I mean, hell, it could have even, it could have even been conversations floated at Gamma's for all we know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because who knows? People from people from other industries do show up there. You demo weird tech. TCG player demoed their in-store kiosk one time yep. at Gamma. Like, Sure. Why the fuck not? You know, why wouldn't eBay show up? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then the the last bullet point we have. This is the fun one. It's not even a question. It's just a statement. Yeah. eBay not only has, but is a tournament organizer now. Yeah. 
twice over. <laughs> it's great because that infrastructure was there at TCG Player before. We've we talked about this about the uh, the Open yep. Series way back in the day. Uh, I think this is very interesting because, like you said, a shit ton more people go to eBay.com than went to TCG Player and Channel Fireball combined. Uh, and for them to now have a way to organize large events very realistically means they can influence the success of some card games. I mentioned eBay showing up at Gamma. I mentioned eBay rolling into Gen Con. Yeah. Insane, <laughs> right? Like eBay just has a booth. Oh, they, they buy the 24 Exactly. Hour like this, this is something that, you know... Obviously, this is probably magical Christmas land, realistically. But this is the thing I'm most excited for about this. This is my kid in a candy store moment. Is holy shit, eBay has a tournament organization. A this is yeah. great. How could they not fuck it up? Yeah. I, hey, it's got to be better better than Wiz, uh, Watsy, right? Yeah. Anything's Certainly better than, than Channel was at the end. Oh, wait. They got Channel. Uh, we'll see. Yep. Yeah, because that's, that's the, the one long line we traced was... TCG player made it very clear in the acquisition in every bit of copy that was put out there about this acquisition that they yep. were going to maintain CFB events, that it was going to be a thing. Yep. And here we are with this merger. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, but at the end of the day, eBay now owns everything. So you can yep. put a little eBay stomp, stamp on your booth. It's great. I mean, it's cool. Maybe there's going to be a neat way to like pay a premium to get your shit at the eBay booth. Yeah. Oh, delivered on site. Yeah. Star City offers that. You know, like the whole one event a quarter. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, a lie. They've got like yeah, one yeah. event a month coming up at the end of the year. They definitely picked it up. Yeah, I, uh, they did announce two more. Yeah. Uh, we've got Columbus and then we've got oh. Dallas in October and SCG Con oh, we just in had Philly in yeah. November. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, that's an option. There's a lot of interesting stuff that goes on when you remember that eBay has TO and eBay. And that means that it opens up event ro event roads and awkward partnerships for Watsi. Yeah, for large events like setting aside Magic Thirty. If you want to do like one giant Magic Fest or PT a year, like fucking eBay's got pockets, man. Like yeah, boy, do they. Yeah, what are the same same logo colors as every other tech giant on this planet? Red, yellow, green, and blue? Yep, yep. called it. Yeah, easy. Easy game. That's going to be the exciting one at the end of the... Like, the, the merger and all that other stuff. Who stays, who goes. What does the tech stack look like? What are the, the products? If you can kind of predict that, and it's yeah. kind of boring. eBay is a TO, though. Ooh, boy, buckle up. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Speaking of buckling up, you ready for picks? Let's do it. Okay, okay. You go first since you came at since you came at me with two. Are right. you talking about one? Yeah. So here's the story. Uh, I had a pick in mind for this episode, and then Domu spoilers started dropping, and there was one card in particular that dropped, and I saw it and I'm like, oh, that's big. Uh, this is gonna be weird because we're doing a two-parter. Anyways, that's the one I went with instead of the one I was looking at before, and that pick is Whim of Volrath. Why is this random, uncommon, or rare from Tempest that is not reserve list worth $17? Well, if you take a look at the stocks graph, you can see that right around Kaldheim, this card went from a $1 low 
to a $17 low. Uh, literally 10 times. It was 174 to 1795. So a 10x multiplier. Why, you ask? Well, because of a card from Kaldheim that you can take a look at on EDH Rec that actually shows it is the most used commander with Whim of Allrath. And it is the Orvar, the all form. There's a very important piece of text on here that says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, if it targets one or more other permanents you control, create a token that's a copy of one of those permanents. Well, guess what Vesuvan Diplomacy says? Literally the same thing. Well, not literally. It says uh, artifact or creature, yep. not any permanent. Yep. Uh, it's an but... enchantment out of Dominaria United for three and a blue. Whenever you cast a spell that targets only a single artifact or creature you control, create a token that's a copy of that artifact or creature, except it's not legendary. And the important thing here is Whim of Volrath is an instance. So we saw a 10x multiplier when Orvard came out. Obviously, I don't expect that here. That's that's not what's going to happen at all. Uh, but if you take a look at the stocks graph, you can see we've been on a steady decline since. Yeah. So I would not be surprised if people catch on and decide, all right, Wim of Volrath is this is where I want to go. Uh, in terms of quantity, I'll be honest. As much as I think this card is going to go up, I don't think there's a ton of room, and that's why I would not go super deep on this. I've ordered. A playset myself. Also, because it's an EDH card, you really don't need that many. Four yeah. to six is probably where you want to be. I went on the more conservative side because I bought in on what will be next episode's pick. Uh, I think it's solid. The one concern I have is actually reprint equity. Because we're going back to the Brothers' War, and guess who was very prominent in that storyline? Volrath. So I think we may get as like an homage maybe in one of the commander decks we'll see it. And the reason I think we'll see it in that instead of a base set, nobody cares about color types anymore. It doesn't matter. It's not a mechanic Wizards cares about. So I just don't see this happening outside of maybe a commander deck. But I would be somewhat cautious about that. Yeah. Uh, now, if you look at liquidity on TCG player, uh, there's been some sold. You know, there's like four or five a day. You can see on the 18th and 19th, there were a ton sold. Since the card got spoiled, we're selling about three or four a day. Uh, that means there is demand out there. There are people who want this card, and I think that it only takes one content creator saying, hey, here's Orvar and an enchantment Orvar. Let's make an Orvar deck. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this card takes off. Uh, that said, this card is not good. Um, it is only good with either Orvar or Vesuvian Diplomacy. Uh, so, timeline? That one's a little bit different. I'd say, realistically, if I were holding this and the price had not moved in four-ish months, I would unload, even at a loss. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, this card is not going anywhere. Uh, this, this is, again, I'm sure it's going to go up. I just don't know by how much because it's not that good. I don't see us getting another 10x on it. I think maybe $30 on some content creator, sure. Yep. But if it hasn't happened in the next four months, it's not going to. And I think one of the most important things about specs is some cards do become longer-term investments. Some cards you just unload to start the churn, and this would be one of the cards I would say 
would be a churn option if we don't see movement in about four months. I, yeah, uh, sorry, uh, there's a parallel here, and I didn't think about it until just now. Okay, so I just want to bring these up because these are numbers. Okay, okay, okay. So, um, Orvar, the all form, right? Mm -hmm. So we see about 5,000 decks on, on rec. Um, not not the most played, and you can kind of figure out why. It's a little griefy. Not a lot of people like playing against it. Yeah. We have a whim of Walrath that combos in this deck, right? Uh, one mana instant with buyback two. Now, we also have Elminster from Commander's Legends Baldur's Gate. And it was like, I knew, I knew the starter, but I didn't know the finish on this one. Yeah. Elminster is an 1800 decks of the commander where you pretty much need Elminster, like Orvar, uh, to get the combo going. Uh, Elminster has a passive. Whenever you scry, the next instant or sorcery spell you cast this turn costs X less to cast, where X is the number of cards looked at while scrying this way. Okay? Uh, costs three, a blue, and a white. Costs one more. It's a planeswalker. A little harder to deal with. Now, there's a, a nice card called Mystic Speculation. Love that card. God, I love that card. Feature site. It's a one mana sorcery with buyback two. That makes it the same mana value as Wim of Mora. Mm -hmm. But sorcery speed, not instant, which is fine. Because you're looking to do this on your turn. And it's very simple. Scry three. That's it? Yep, that's it. That's the combo. We did it. This this general, much less popular than Orivar, this mystic speculation that we can see on stocks, spikes for Elminster from about a buck fifty to about six dollars and begins holding at about five. Yep. Wim of Volrath tanked a little too hard after the first uh, Orivar push. So with this next piece of the combo, with Vesuvian Diplomacy, I would expect to see Wim of Volrath move a little bit more like Mystic Speculation, where the multiplier is not... I don't expect the same multiplier because it's also ridiculous. It's yeah. almost 7x. You know, we don't see that. But what I expect to see is this smaller drop-off and, and hold. We go from, like... Seven dollars at the absolute high, six fifty the absolute high to five fifty. That's a dollar drop. That is what I expect. I don't expect like the literal bottom to fall out of this card and see it go yeah. from forty to twenty, forty-four to twenty-two. A fifty certainly drop. not. Yeah. So this is what I would expect for this card. I wanted to give people a little bit of a parallel on this because I think it's a good look. We have another opportunity to push this card, a Tempest card, and we don't see buyback that often. It took Future Sight to bring buyback back. I yeah. don't know if we really get it in commander sets i, I can't I, remember they, there are weird ones like whispers of the knees which is just like one yeah there have, there have been some pitch. but it's not something that they bring back unless it makes sense in the deck yeah uh reiterate the fork with buyback like, yeah stuff like that kind of makes sense but yeah i i, I agree I, I think this is a, a good pick overall i think the reprint equity is pretty low outside of commander deck and even then i think it might be lower because i don't think they will really want to touch buyback that much anymore it just seems a little too tough for the player base yeah. to want to deal with like some of them are fine reiterate whispers of the muse i'm sure there's a green one that is 
that is forbid is insane cap size is insane yeah and those are very difficult for people to play against um i was gonna say there's a green i'm sure there's a green one that isn't the fog yeah whatever constant mists that's the one that nobody likes playing against so you can bring back some of the goofy ones dance of corpse dance no that's reserveless isn't it no corpse corpse dance is not perfect uh shattering pulse it's just worse shattering spree yeah Exactly. There's some of these you can bring back, but I don't... I don't see a reason to bring this one back. It's just, outside of this instance, I don't think it's good enough. Yeah, I don't... Have they changed spell type or color individually since, like, Crystal Spray and Invasion? No. I mean, there's... there's, uh, Yeah, Painter Servant. And they may have reprinted some kind of lace in one of the Commander's decks. That's what I thought. Or Lace Effect. Yeah. Uh, which, for those of you that might be a little bit younger, uh, look up the card Pure Lace. That was a rare in Alpha. Oh Imagine getting that instead of Black Lotus. There was, Sick. I forgot who or what group maintained that it wasn't the Power 9, it was the Power 14, and the additional five cards were the five laces. It were the five laces, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Beautiful. All right. So, we're going from uh, Whim of Volrath straight over to Species Specialist. Straight out of yeah. Commander 2020, which it, it, it's a good card. It, it, it kind of fits with my Patriarch's bidding pick a while back, and pretty exclusively because it's a it's another tribal card. So two yeah. double black for two three human warrior, which is kind of irrelevant. As species specialist, jeez, oh, species specialist enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Whenever a creature of the chosen type dies, you draw a card. You yeah. may. Uh, you know, it, it came in. We've been looking at the stock draft for a while at a dollar fifty. It's currently sitting at three twenty-two, and you know, now is about the time we take a look at this. So, uh, I've had this on my list for almost a year now. I put it on there uh, uh, late October of twenty twenty-one when CK was buying one hundred and thirty-six at two dollars five. They're now buying half that many, but at two fifty. So, good increase overall. TCG market there was. There were 91 copies at 414. There are now 109 at 360. So that's an interesting, a little more interesting shift. And as far as play, uh, commander playability goes, this is exactly what you see. It's really on the nose. Tribal decks involving black, and it's a wider swath of tribal decks than you think. Yeah. So uh, we we'd say. Up front, 99% of the usage of this card is within a tribal-themed deck, but that other 1% is pure spite for the tribal player at the table as the trigger to draw does not require that you be the owner or controller of the creature. So Pretty great. Yep, it could just be the little spite move. And looking at what players have been doing, it appears that most people just look... Just, sorry, just took the Ikoria Precon, Ruthless Regiment, where this came from, and rift on that so they're basically you know the top decks are basically human based uh, the top commanders are for for a species specialist outside of the one cat nightmare thing yeah for you. you see there's a uh, janira kudro that was one of the generals on it and then we see you know general kudro uh, some human cleric stuff a little bit of rat some goblin a little squirrel action zombies but the majority of these cards are just uh, riffs on that deck but again that's just a surface level view there are a large number of tribes that this can i sorry that can or do involve black and should invest in this the most interesting one here and i think the one that really perpetuates that idea the best are the two and they're next to each other on the list 
are Wart, Bogart, Anti, which is the Goblin General, and Chatterfang, which is the Squirrel General. Both yep. of these decks can and should play Species Specialists because they are base. They can be base black decks. Also, Sethron Hurling Generals in here, and like you see these these cards, and it should just just kind of be that light. Like, oh yeah, anything just has to involve black. Yeah. You know, there should be a quote-unquote tribal starter pack, and this card goes alongside things like Patriarch's Bidding, Vanquisher's Banner, and Door of Destinies. And I, 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 that's why it's difficult to really talk about this card too much, because you say the same things. It's just foundational to tribal decks. Yeah. you got to keep it in mind. As far as a timeline is concerned, you know, after release in the Ikoria Precon, this card plateaus for over a year. It's just a rope. And I think the interesting part to this and the contributor is that this is the cycle that has fierce guardianship deflecting swat and the other three the white yeah. one gives your creatures uh, a creature or your creatures indestructible which are, which is found in this deck but the other three are just so far overshadowed by fierce guardianship and deflecting swat that i think just pe people let this deck rot they just didn't care about what was in this deck they wanted access to Calamax, and they wanted access to Fierce Guardianship, and that was it. Yeah. That's why it's just a rope. Now, with the release of AFR and the Glut of Humans we saw there, players moved in hard, and you can see that in the stocks graph again. But the price held fairly well, which is cool. Coming out of Neo, we start to see a downturn in price, and that lasted about six months, and we're just seeing a market correction, and it's now growing at a sustainable rate. Why we saw that downturn coming out of Neo, I don't really know. There, there's nothing that really replaced this card. There's no reprint. There was not really a release, re-release of this product. So taking that downturn is just kind of weird, especially when we see the, the numbers we talked about earlier, which is just kind of hovering around the same number of listings. We are about like up 10% on TCG player in terms of population. Like This seems a little odd. But the interesting part here is that this card sells about 400 Nearmen and LP copies a month, and that's been going on since May. So we're looking to get in well ahead of the drain on the market, which looks to be coming up within the next month or so. And from there, it shouldn't be too much longer, maybe yet another month or two before we can get out into the open market for profit and then another few to buy a list. So that's about a three-month churn to open market and six to buy a list based on current sales velo. As far as reprint equity is concerned, you know, this was a brand new card in the Ikoria Commander deck, meaning it was a fresh print for that. It was a, had never been made before. And I wouldn't expect to see this again in the immediate future in supplemental sets. It's yeah. a very powerful effect, but I don't believe Watsi agrees that the impact on the game is as powerful, or they do, and overvalue the combo potential. It's a mono-black human that plays into the creature type within the IKO deck, and so we'll need to go back to a plane or see a deck where humans are the Mardu creature, where humans yeah. are the Mardu creature type again, and not knights like we often see. And so, what I mean by all that is that we won't see this in a goblin-heavy set, where there are also black goblins and black humans because Watsi overvalues the combo potential in that standard set. But if we go back to another plane or we see another commander deck where we get the entire swath of Mardu humans, which seems to be the color identity that Watsi is crafting for them, that is the possibility where this arises. Now, the issue is that 
then this is the last couple sentence or the last sentence in here. It's got to be humans as the Mardo creature type, not knights, yeah. not core, nothing. Humans has to be the primary creature here. And I don't see that coming too soon. And I, I would expect it in a commander set before a standard set or some other random supplemental, like a, yeah. a master set or a draft set. Thus, overall, probably pretty low. If this was a zombie, I'd say we'd probably see it somewhere in the next year. I mean, hell, maybe Absolutely, even one of the Dominaria yeah. sets. But it's not. It's a human, which makes it a little odd. Yeah. As far as buy quantity goes, this thing's like three, four bucks. What is it? Three. I'd be happy to cap out at about a dozen of these. And yeah. my initial out would be in trade to locals and buy list in time. Um, what I have now is in my sealed product because I am a homer for the yearly releases and I buy sealed cases. So that's however many, I, I, maybe a couple more after that, but I know I don't have the dozen I would like to have. Yeah. Not yet, at least. Yeah, I think one of the most fascinating things about this card is when you think tribal uh, and stuff like this, you usually go with, you know, the big five right you've got goblins elves zombies clerics uh wizards right yep. that's where you expect to find this kind of thing but the fact that this happened in a lower tier tribe uh to me is actually interesting because it gives it a little bit more utility because additionally like you said it doesn't have to be you that controls the creatures so i don't like the upside on this card seems insane from like a gameplay perspective because it's so agnostic. Yeah. It, it's literally, like you said, you could just be like, man, I got a bunch of people that play tribal at my store. I guess I'll take it. 1% spite. 1% yeah. spite. I, and I love it. I Like, you can get hosed with your own Patriarch's bidding by the other oh, yeah. tribal player at the table. But this, this is not the same. And it is, no. it is also what I'm here for. Like, yeah, you got that Slivers player cool like awesome yeah what else that they're gonna draw you a bunch of cards when you play a wrath yeah cool. or someone plays a wrath yeah pirates are Never. a thing and they're not that great you just start picking them off and drawing cards like i'll show you to admiral bracket that could brass me you know yeah and i i think that's part of the interesting utility that you know maybe you just got kind of overlooked by this but i i think a lot of people also fell into the trap of like i said just iterating on that mardu deck that that mardu humans deck and yeah never really branched out so we're not seeing any content creator videos like uh you know hell like 300 of the anti decks have this which is uh, uh sorry wart bogart anti decks have this yeah you know 300 of the Sir, the sethron decks and those are not small a big percentages. They they are very small percentages of those decks, and it's just like another card people forgot about that I don't think yeah. they should have. So I I think it's solid. I definitely think uh, it is a much more sh solid long term spec than mine is too. Because if they even if they reprint it, it will only get better with time because more and more people playing, more and more yeah. tribes. It's just it's the. It's great. Yeah, the, the the starter pack for whatever you're doing. You know, you have your artifact starter pack for Commander, like your mono rocks that are in and out yep. of color identity. You know, here's your talismans, here's your whatever, right? It's like, okay, I want to yeah. play creatures. Okay, what colors are you in? It's like, okay, I'm in this, 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 and black. Okay, cool. Well, black also brings you Patriarch's Bidding and uh, this thing, Species Specialist, and 
the Patriarch's bidding from Call Time that has Fortel. Like, and that this is just stuff that needs to get like re-upped again. I think this is the same kind of lesson from when I picked Patriarch spinning a while ago. Like if you go back and yeah. listen to, to that section, I believe I basically said the same thing, which is just Patriarch spinning was too expensive for too long and it just kind of fell out. But as more yeah. people recognize how affordable it is and what it does, we're going to see a pickup. And over time, it just becomes that foundational piece that we want it yep. to be. So. I think it's great. Thank you. And that is going to do it for this week, right? You got nothing else yes, for me? Yes, I got nothing else unless you do. No, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go to bed. Cool. So, for at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Patreon, Facebook, and YouTube, I am at Halt, I am Reptar. You are at Thirsty Sizzler. I'll see you next week. Deuces.